the Jewish Divorce Project. Because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. Like so congested, it's crazy. Ugh. Are you sick? I think so. I mean, okay. this is usually the way I get when I don't get enough sleep, which is true. But at the same time, like I had COVID a couple of weeks back, and I feel like this is another like sinus headache that came with COVID. So I did not know that. Are you okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're fine, but it's just like it's, it's like cloudy up here. Got it. Wow. Yeah, but I can do this. How, I can be here. I'm how good. long did you have bad symptoms? I mean, recently now. Yeah. Uh, they got bad yesterday. It was just really nasty. Loon a lot of sneezing. A lot. No, I mean COVID. When you had COVID, how bad was that your was COVID? That was end of January, beginning of February. And um, it was, uh, I mean, didn't lose sense of smell or taste or anything like that. Um, boys seem to do better at it than I did. It definitely, you know, like wiped me out at points. Like I just had no energy. Like I'd get up in the morning and power through and again, get through the congestion and try to like figure out just like how to like power through. And by the afternoon, I was like, I had to take a nap. I couldn't like stay awake. It was like, it just knocked me out. And when I would get like a headache, it would like source itself like around the left back left side of my head and just like hang out there. It was, it was ugly. Oh, I'm so sorry. It sucks. It is what it is, I guess. It is what it is. Friends, we want to welcome Lori Mazenko to the Jewish Divorce Project. Uh, Lori Mazenko is uh, not only a new connection and potential friend of ours as well here, um, but she is a therapist, a coach and consultant an author and a speaker. With 30 plus years of therapy, business and coaching experience, she has helped thousands of people find solutions for complex problems, including strength and hope after divorce and breakups. She is the author of two parenting books and the mother of three adult children and Lala to two little boys. She is engaged to the love of her life, which results in a blended family of six kids plus mates, two grandchildren, four dogs and one cat. She has been an entrepreneur for 30 years and recently completed an epic project called Amazuary and is currently dedicating her work time to her company, Resilient Consulting and Coaching a faith-based divorce and breakup recovery resource and retreat weekend. When she is not working, she loves to travel, backpack, hike, but most of all, dance. Lori, it's wonderful to have you here. It's, this, I think this is our first like real deliberate interfaith conversation. Like we've had non-Jewish people before, right? But like you are doing the same thing that we're kind of doing. I mean, you, you're much more organized and you got this beautiful thing going on, um, but like, this is essentially, we're talking the same language just from different mountaintops. Uh, so yeah. really welcome here. This is beautiful to have you. Yeah, thank you. I'm super excited to be here. And, and I'm just going to establish that we're friends now. So that <laughs> that we can just say like, yay, we're friends. And um, I am excited to be here. And I love this idea of having this conversation. And I've listened to some of your podcasts and looked at your Facebook page. And, and I just, I think it's fantastic, right? Because, you know, faith-based we all have our, like you said, different mountaintops, but you know, so many things we have more similarities than we do differences. Right. So 
I think it's fantastic. Thank you for having me. And I, I think it's great. Well, welcome. I think it's great to have that intersection. And part of what prompted and started this podcast, not the specific one, but the podcast in general, was this recognition that there's so much information out there about divorce and many podcasts about divorce in general, providing very um, needed information. And yet a faith-based faith -based divorce is a very specific issue within the issue because it adds so many nuances um, that can be quite challenging to navigate. And that is certainly what kind of got this started. Of, hey, let's talk about divorce from the specifics of what does it mean to get divorced when you add Judaism into that mix? And so what was your start? How did you jump into this? And yeah, what, what's, what was your motivation? Yeah, great question. So, well, so first of all, you know, as a therapist, right? Like, you know, just working with people directly going through their divorces and, um, and, and because I went to seminary for my master's degree. So I have a Christian worldview that, um, I just got so many people who were like, what do I do? You know, what the Bible says about, um, divorce and then the, the church community and just like tons of judgment on, on them. And, and, like nobody wants to join this club, right? This isn't like we're all lining up to jump on like, hey, let me join the divorce club. Like it's with a lot of pain and angst that people get to this place. And I think that when you add faith on top of it, you know, that is so huge because of our love and, you know, with, of God, you know, that we don't, it's like, oh, like I'm letting down the ultimate father here. Like, I don't want to do this. Right. And so being able to talk with somebody who's just really, open about that and, and willing to work through it is so important. So interestingly enough, I've been a therapist for longer than I've been divorced. And so then on top of that, I went through my own divorce and had to struggle with this myself. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so painful. And, and, uh, and yeah, I don't want to be here. And, and so that's what, what launched me into it. That's kind of also what launched me into writing the, the parenting books was being a parent and child safety. And so it's funny because I'm a little bit like, am I going to write a book about everything? No, I'm not. But, um, but that's how I got here. There's still time to write a book There's, about everything. I am <laughs> actually working on a book right now, but um, funny enough, in regards to divorce, it's more of like a workbook versus a book. But um, yeah. Well, that works. You are the person of the book. We are the people of the book. So welcome to the Mishpacha. <laughs> you know, it's great to have you again. Uh, Thank you. I'm kind of curious, Lori, you know, we talk a lot about the experience of going through divorce in the Jewish community. Mm -hmm. And I think something that I'm particularly curious about is what is the general experience of Joe and Jill Christian who are going through divorce in your community? What can they expect? What do they generally experience while they uh, go through divorce? Yeah, I'm well, I don't know if it's going to be that much different than, you know, that really angsting, painful decision of, you know, have I given it all I've got? Have I tried everything I can to make this work? And, um, and then, you know, also, I think struggling a lot with like, you know, is, is, seeking out like my own happiness, quote unquote, a reason for that. And I don't, I don't think that that's the ultimate reason that people get divorced. It's not, you know, because I'm trying to find happiness. It's, there's so many components, as you guys know, 
And then, so once they're kind of struggling with that, you know, then they come to that, the vow before God, you know, like I made this vow before God and I had this commitment, you know, marriage is a covenant. And now I have to, I'm, I'm breaking this. And, and there's just this sense of failure. And I talk so much with people about, you know, like, Hey, I mean, this is, that's just a topic on it on its own. Right. Sure, yeah. and, and that it's not, it's not a failure. Like there's more than one person in the relationship. There's so many components and, and not everything, you know, there's a lot of unhealthy, toxic relationships that like, in order to kind of save yourself, you have to exit and save your kids too. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's that, I think that people are shocked by the pain of it, you know, cause it's so common now, right? Like divorce is so common. And so people just think like, ah, so, you know, 50%, I'm, I'm, that's not the exact statistic, but you know, get divorced. So is it really that big of a deal? And it's like, yes, it's in, I, I describe it as like, emotionally having a, an appendage removed from your body. Like it's, mm. it's so painful. And I think that's the huge part. And, and so I'm trying to turn people towards a loving God who already knew this was going to happen. And there's mercy and grace and versus judgment and condemnation. Yeah, I guess what is so common um, is when you grow up, in a household or environment or with a mindset of a family value. And it's so drilled into you of family, family, family. So to feel responsible for breaking apart that family or being part of that experience, not that people who don't grow up with faith don't have a family value, but I know for me personally, growing up religious, that was so prioritized. And that is a big part of the equation the failure is exponential because because the family values are so important and how to navigate that. Agreed. Agreed. And interestingly enough, so I am a child of divorce and I was about nine when my parents split and we went, went to Catholic church and it was a big deal. So, I mean, I have that background as well of like what that was mm -hmm. like to experience that as right. well. Cause you know, there was a lot of losses around it, but it is, and, and agreed, it's not just faith, you know, faith-based people only have family values. It's just, um, there's that added layer of that covenant with God that I think just puts it so much heavier on our hearts. And guilt, you got to throw in a good dosage of guilt. Yeah, yeah. A full <laughs> human experience there. Is not yeah, we need a guilt. dash of guilt to really... If you don't have the guilt, did it really actually happen? Right. That's the deep <laughs> If you don't have the guilt, then are you really religious? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yes. The guilt, the guilt. I talk a lot with people about false guilt and, and, you know, the tr true guilt. And, and sometimes I, I actually open up the dictionary. I'm like, let's read the definition of guilt. Mm. And then I said, is that what you've done? Have you committed an offense or committed a crime? And they're like, no. And I said, okay. <laughs> then so walk us through. So false guilt is the belief that you've done something wrong when you haven't done something wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's this idea of I should have done something different. I'm yeah. Like I'm doing something wrong. I've injured a party. Um, and, and that's hard. I think, especially, um, and again, I'm talking from a faith base here because we have such a, um, you know, calling to like 
help others. I'm not saying that non-faith-based people don't have this. I'm just saying like, it's really part of our, you know, culture. Right. And so, uh, and, and like, you're supposed to give more of yourself and, you know, turn the other cheek and all those things. And, um, and so it's hard sometimes to figure out the, the, the boundary between, um, you know, doing those things and then also, um, being safe for yourself. So, and so that's where it's hard, like the pulling out and talking about guilt is so important because you start to realize like, I'm doing these things out of, out of like a false guilt, like a feeling like I should be giving more, but really like that person needs to stand on their own. I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm curious, Lori, from your perspective, how prepared um, and capable are churches and other faith-based institutions and organizations in your community and also the professional staff, how are they prepared and capable in terms of responding to the needs of divorced families? Oh, I have to now pass judgment on a whole bunch of people. Right? Well, that's what we do regularly here. I mean, that's the other you know, advantage it. of doing it from a faith-based perspective is that you can kind of almost legitimately pass judgment in some way. Um, but from a compassionate perspective, of course, right? Yes. I mean, that's what we're trying to do is really understand it. Yeah, no, I love it. It's a great question. Thank you. Um, so I, let's see, I think that um, it's probably been something that hasn't been given enough. I'm going to say fully, it has not been given enough attention. And an example I can give you is, you know, I've been attending women's church retreats for years. And, um, and it wasn't until I was divorced that I started to notice I would show up and there's always like a thing about being a good mom or, you know, being a better wife or, I mean, like all these things that were really about, you know, having a stronger marriage and nothing for nothing for whether you're single or divorced or anything. And I just thought, wow, what, what little group thing am I supposed to go to? Because none of these apply to me. And so I, I, I was going to a retreat and I reached out to them and I said, Hey, I would love to have to share you know, a spot on your agenda for people that are divorced, because I'm probably statistically a little bit less than 50% of the people attending are going to be, and there's going to be nothing for them. And I did it and it was wonderful. And all these ladies came up to me and they're like, thank you so much for doing this. No, I've never gone to anything that has anything for us. And so that's just a little example. And then I also noticed you know, as I, I've been looking at, because I look around at churches to see, you know, I'm trying to help my clients or friends or family members try to find resources through churches. And again, it's like, no, there's hardly anything out there. And I think really, wow, do you guys realize that so many of your members are not being served? Sure. There is a fantastic resource that I found going through my divorce called divorce care. And it was wonderful. And it, you know, it's from a Christian point of view and it's like a 13 week Bible study and you show up and it's a video series and they walk you through this. And, and I know they're, I think they are doing online now. I don't know what they're doing right now because of, you know, every COVID and whatnot, but we do, we definitely need more of that. I think group support versus there's lots of books, but really like when you're going through a divorce, you cannot sit down and it's hard to sit down and read a ton of books. Right. right. So I would like to see them doing more. How about your community? How does your community do with that? Well, I think that's, you know, very similar to what you've expressed, right. That like there is a basic knowledge of it, 
right? And I think a generalized approach, and I, and I, and I will say, having done some research and speaking with colleagues, there are people trying to be innovative about rituals that can be done, right, for the divorce community. Um, uh, someone I've worked with before, Deborah Newbrun, Rabbi Deborah Newbrun, um, is putting together a divorce retreat. Um, she's asked me to be a part of it, so that's been really wonderful, um, you know, kind of planning for it. Um, but it's like the first of its kind, right? And it sounds like you've been doing this for a couple of years. Um, and so this is really kind of a new territory, I think, for a lot of professionals in the Jewish community. And I know that there's interest out there, which is really wonderful. Um, and I think that's because we realize that it's just under-resourced and understaffed in that way. And, you know, I, you think about how easy it might be for someone to come forward in a faith-based community and just ask for help in that way. That's somewhat of a tall order. Um, you know, certain, I, I believe that the Jewish institutions are there to service their communities um, and to provide as many resources as possible. I, I think divorced families are probably getting lost in the shuffle along the way. Um, and I wonder if some of it is that they just don't want to kind of step out and ask for it because maybe there's shame involved in it, right? I mean, I wonder how divorce is seen from another perspective. Like, is it seen as a sin in the communities that you're part of? And how do people get past that? Yeah, yeah, really great <clears throat> question. So just so I don't forget, I, I want to talk about the what you talked about, the resources on the retreat. And um, so... I have also noticed this big void and that's why I'm creating this retreat that's coming up in April of 2022 in the Pacific Northwest called Resilient, which is my company for um, a small group. And it is it currently it's focused on women. However, I'm getting a lot of men who are interested in doing, you know, they want some assistance too. And, and interestingly, like individually, I work with a lot of men. I really enjoy that. So um, that's, that's happening because yeah, like I would have loved to have been able to just get away, have some peace, you know, have somebody make all my meals to take care of me, right? So that I could have a weekend to just think, plan, have some, you know, like-minded people around me. Um, so I definitely see that need. And I'm really excited to hear about this retreat that you just mentioned, because I think we need more of these things. And I'm working on an online component for mine, which is going to be April, the last weekend in April. But just because I, I feel like even I'm searching and I cannot find stuff to send people to. So I've got a retreat. You guys, you know, are going to be, sounds like going to be working on a retreat. And I think it's great. We need more of that opportunity. The sin part. Okay. So yes, right. God hates divorce. Right? There's a scripture about this. And, and again, this is such a huge topic because I've had people reach out to me like, well, what about the, you know, what about the vows? And, and, um, you know, there's a lot of things I, I, and this is from my study as well as like personally, and as a parent, cause I look at God as a parent and, um, God, the father. And I see like, I think God hates the divorce because it's so painful for his children. And it, and it does, you know, it does cause problems in the breaking down of the family. And as you guys know, and I know, like you can recreate your family, you can restructure your family and still have a beautiful family. It's just different. Um, and so I think that it's that, I think that most people look at it as a sin. Um, I don't view it that way. I, I just view it as, you know, there's lots of things that scripture talks about, like 
don't do this, don't do that. And then there's ones that are very clear, right? Like that is a sin, but to, as guidance, I, I'm sure I'm going to get all kinds of comments about this from um, theologians, but feel free. <laughs> and, and that, because it's so painful and that we don't really need that shame. And there is a ton of shame. That's that failure, shame, right. guilt, that like, we don't need that layer. God is loving and gracious and good. And, um, and that he knows that, that this is hard for us, that we're not taking it lightly. So if he's, you know, a loving and gracious and forgiving God, then we should accept that. Do you find that, um, in your community, the divorce process or a challenging marriage moved people away from religion and then navigating that within the divorce if one part party is still religious and the other one no longer wants to be religious how do they navigate that and what's your experience been in coaching or um having a uh, being a therapist in that dynamic uh that's a great question because um right because then then you're getting into like like custodial you know custodial laws around like who gets to choose religion and those kinds of things and so i feel like that was kind of a two-part question um the first part i think being that do people tend to move away and i think just like anything some people move closer and lean on their faith other people move away and i know and i can just speak personally like when i was going through my divorce i didn't move away from god i i i really leaned on that relationship and then, um, but I didn't really feel like going to church. I didn't want to answer questions. I didn't want to, you know, I just didn't feel like having people give me that, like, I'm so sorry, look, you know, you know what I mean? I, I had that same experience after my mom died. I just needed that kind of space for me personally. Um, and so going from there, I think that people I'm always hoping that people will, will remain open and, and use that relationship as a strength to help get them through it. Absolutely. It is my rock for sure. And helped me in so many ways. And then, but I also had a close community of friends who, you know, supported me. So even though I wasn't actually attending services for a while, I still was, you know, reading my Bible in with my friends. I mentioned I did that Bible study. So I try to encourage people. I ask them, <clears throat> do your spiritual beliefs, excuse me, <clears throat> help you or hurt you? And then I try to use those as, you know, as support, right. To, to help, to help them or, or look at why, because the church does unfortunately, and the church being people who are judgmental do a lot of damage by, by saying placating statements or, you know, did you pray enough? Did you do this enough? Did, I'm like, oh, please, of course, you know? So then that comes, so I, I try to encourage people to use their strengths and their, and their people, their support people on the, and then on the other side, um, yeah, that like, if one parent decides they no longer want to be religious and the other parent does right that's a really broad question because of the the uh, um, custody piece right that decision making piece however if you're a faith-based parent like your home and you're you as a person you're not going to turn that off right you're gonna you're gonna keep that going and 
I would hope that the parent who decided to leave would support a spiritual path that their child was on that would be really incredibly helpful to them in their lifetime. And, and then there's a point that the kids get old enough that they start making their own decisions. So did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, it was a vague question because it's a vague concept. So thank you. It's and it's hard, it's hard to not, um, each, each situation is different with the nuances and the specifics difference. And you paint a beautiful picture where I wish we lived in a world where everybody was so respectful towards one another and honoring what's best for the children and seeing what the future is and keeping that in mind as they make their choices in present day. So I, I'm going to, I like that faith in that approach of can't we all live in this beautiful idyllic world where everybody puts on their big boy and big girl panties and just does what's best. (laughs) That that would be be nice. nice. That would be nice. We can have another conversation about like when parents don't do that, which happens probably more often than not, unfortunately. Well, let's talk about briefly what happens when parents don't do that. Cause unfortunately yeah. that's probably a little bit more realistic yeah. and we understand why emo- when emotions are involved, it's very hard to be, you know, put on that logical, reasonable compromising hat. The bigger question is how, how do you navigate that when one parent is not being so kind and respectful? Absolutely. And, um, and right. Unfortunately, this happens more than we would, would like it to. And I try to ultimately, so for the parent who is not keeping the best interest of the child at heart or being disparaging to the other parent or their belief systems, those kinds of things, um, is that parents have to realize, and I've spent thousands of hours in therapy rooms with children of divorce. It's a specialty that I, I don't see children of divorce any longer because um, I work on kind of this macro level now working more with the individual or in groups with parents, that kind of thing. But um, so I've heard not only my own, but specifically lots of kids. And is that no matter what, your ch- the child is 50% DNA of both parents. And so they identify with both parents. So if you say something disparaging or even, you know, about the other parent or their like religious beliefs or those kinds of things, then it's the child identifies with that parent. And so it hurts them. They feel like, oh, that's, well, if my, if my mom doesn't like my dad, then and, and like, I like my dad, then, well, what does that mean about me? These are the kinds of these conversations, these thoughts that happen to their children, to these children. And I'm not saying every parent has to agree with every religious, you know what I mean? Like thing, but there's, there's ways to be kind and loving and tactful about things. If you disagree or just, you know, have your child be open to other things. So, um, so if you are the parent who is in that position, um, gosh, that's so hard, right? Because it's just such, such a hard range. Like there's so many people who like, you could have a direct conversation with the parent and say, Hey, you know, the, the child said this to me and, you know, that's kind of upsetting, or I think it hurt his feelings or her feelings. Um, you know, can, can we not do that? And the other parent would have a big enough heart 
right, to say, oh yeah, that's not appropriate. And then there's going to be other parents who are like, I don't really care. You know, they're like, well, too bad. And, and then, and then I think you just have to say like, okay, you just keep speaking truth, speaking love, putting it in because I've just seen so many children come through the other side and they hear the positive words of the positive parent. They, that sticks with them. Like when they grow up, they look back and they think this parent never said anything crappy about the other parent. And, and they know that it's, it's hard to explain, (laughs) right. But it's just a process that happens. And, and, you know, you can just keep put it in writing to the other parent. Like if it's hostile, send an email saying, Hey, this came up. It's and point out like it's hurting them. You're not hurting me by doing this. You're hurting our child. So it would be nice. You know, if you could stop, that would be good. (laughs) So it's hard to, it's hard. It's a hard one. And I think though, this is where we have to lean on our faith, right? Like God loves our kids more than we do. I have to remind myself that, right? God loves our kids more than we do. And, you know, I'm just going to keep pouring in the good stuff and, um, and trust that the good stuff is going to come out the other side. Uh, I'm curious, Lori, um, from your perspective, uh, who has a more difficult time going through divorce? Is it men or women in your communities? Oh, I think that is, uh, there isn't one or the other, you know? Um, so I think that everybody, everybody that I run into has a hard time. And I think though, that there is an idea that men don't have a hard time. Well, and I, and also like somehow like men don't have as deep emotions or feel as deeply as women do, or boys don't feel as deeply as girls. And, and I'm like, that is so not true. I've worked with so many boys and men where I'm just like, wow, these guys really, you know, have, they have deep loving emotions. How about you guys? Do you notice a difference? You know, it's a good question. I never bothered to think about it from the Jewish perspective. So I appreciate you turning the table on us that way. Um, uh, I really don't know. I really don't know. And I would, I think, I think they have, I don't know, but I, I, I think I would agree with you that like, it's neither one nor the other. I think I have different challenges. And I think one of what you just spoke of with men, as people assume men don't feel, there is a cultural narrative that men shouldn't feel. They grow up feeling that they shouldn't, and then they go through an incredibly painful process like this, and they don't have, for the most part, those same supports that women have spent their whole life setting up. Women talk about everything. They talk about their feelings. So they have more of a support system ready to go to process their emotions. Men might have their sports teams or their friends or their groups. I know I'm generalizing. I know men do talk about their emotions, but in general, it's not that same emotional support. And I think that can be very challenging for men. I think the work that Noam's doing for men of of creating these emotional support groups is phenomenal because I also work with men and you do see the other side of how they struggle. And it's the additional struggle of now having to also learn the language of emotions, which they've been told their whole lives, men don't cry grow a pair, right? Right. So um, don't be a girl. And all of those voices are in your head. And then how do you marry that with what you're actually feeling and having no one to turn to because then you are weak and vulnerability is weak. So I think that's that's a problem that men face. Women face other problems. Women 
for uh, for again, these are huge generalizations, but sometimes feel helpless. Um, I know that there's so like there were so many things that I had to learn to do once I got divorced. And one of the one of the first things I did was I went out and bought a drill. Like I can do this. <laughs> if it is on YouTube, then I can do this. And I've gotten feedback about how impressive that is. And I actually, well, I'll take any positive feedback. It's a little bit wild to me that it's impressive to others that I can use a drill. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Why should, it's really not that complicated. And yet I think a lot of women don't step into that role or there's, you know, we, we can get stuck into the roles that we were put into and really my my general approach is if there's a video on YouTube, then you can learn how to do it. Anyone can do it. And so I think those are some of the challenges that aren't just religious based, but just even somewhat gender based. Yeah, those are good points. And I would just add that there is an added layer of component for men in regards to parenting time. And, and even though we're in 2022, there is still a struggle with that where, and I think a lot of fathers are very worried about losing their time with their children. And I know that's a whole nother con whole nother discussion. So, um, but yeah, I think they have that layer as well. It's so complex. I think as Sheva was saying at the very beginning of the conversation about the nuances, right. When you get into a deeper level of what is divorce like, not just in your own life, but in a faith-based life, um, all these additional questions start coming out. Um, and they add a greater sense of meaning to all of it, which you've touched on in really beautiful ways. So thank you for being here with us, Lori. It's really wonderful to have you. Yeah, um, thank you guys so much for having me. It's just been fantastic. And I like, I could keep going. <laughs> and, I know um, your bio, really, I only wanted to talk about dance. That's really what I wanted to talk about today. But your bio had so much to go through right. and you are seem so experienced and really personally experiencing it, child of divorce, your own personal divorce, now remarriage, repartnership, blended family, religion, you really, really got covered them all. And so I think we might have to have you back for five or 10 episodes to really get through the wisdom that you can share. Well, thank you. And I just love hearing your guys' perspective. It's really, really fun. And, and it's also nice to know, like there's fellow, there's fellow people out there doing this similar work. Right. right? And, exactly. and, and I love, like when you said Noam's group, right. I, I saw that the other night and I thought I am, that is fantastic. I'd love to see more of that. Well, friends, um, if you want to get in touch with Lori, uh, you can find her on Instagram at Lori Mazinko. No, at Resilient. Sorry. R-I-S-E-I-L-I-E-N-T. Rise up and be resilient. Resilient. Well, thank you so much, Lori. Thank it's you. been wonderful having you. All right. Thanks, you guys. Have a Have wonderful a day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.